Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm going to start with a little bit of confession. I'll start, then you can go. I'm kidding. I'll just do it. So a little bit of confession. I have struggled my whole life with impulse control. Like, if I want something, and just ask my husband Kyle, if I want something, I want it right now. (laughs) And it's just serious for me. Like, it's hard to do the small things and have the small disciplines that over time add up to some really great results, but that just requires for me just a whole lot of concentration and a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of focus to stay on that path. And I would bet that I'm not alone. How many of you, if you have a retirement account at any point, or especially in this last season, that you've thought, hey, I could maybe just take out a little. Like, if I just take out a little, it won't make that big of a difference. Or, I don't need to start it yet. And I think in those moments where we're, we're just so tempted to fall into the trap of, like, instant gratification, right? Like, I could use that money for something right now. And those moments of temptation of instant gratification... Uh, there's this guy, I don't know if you've heard his name, his name's Dave Ramsey, and he's this financial coach. We got some Dave Ramsey fans in the house here, so if you're watching online, you can shout too if you've got cash envelopes, and my husband and I follow along with Dave Ramsey too, but he would say, don't touch your retirement account. And then he would say his famous line, live today like no one else, so later you can live like no one else. And that can apply to so many areas of our life, right? Because we live right now in a a world of instant gratification. Like, we want it right now. And that's been something, true story. For me, that's just been part of my wiring. And here's the thing, like, in the small choices and uh, in those daily decisions, what happens is over time, there's a compound interest that happens But it's hard, right? I don't know about you, but it's just, it's hard for me. I learned recently of a uh, international rugby team, and they look like these really tough guys, like super tough. And I think if you Google them, they're called the All Blacks. If you Google them, they're this rugby team, and they do these like chant dances that are like super manly and super cool. But the point of it is, I heard about this team, and they used to really be bad, and now they've found some great success over the years. And so this uh, guy named James Kerr, he wrote a book called Legacy, and it's all about this rugby team called the All Blacks. And this rugby team, they have built this legacy of undeniable success. They, uh, They have currently, they have more wins... So think about this for a second. They have more wins than losses versus every one of their opponents. Like think about any sport, basketball, football, volleyball. That is super difficult. They have more wins than losses on every opponent that they've ever played. So they are crazy good. And in this book, James outlines a few categories or philosophies that this team goes by that leads to their success. And one of them is this idea, this philosophy of Kiwi Kaizen. Kiwi Kaizen, making things better. This marginal gains idea of making 100 things 1% better. 
And over time, that results in really great success. And the other thing that he wrote about is James had a chance to be in the locker room after one of their games. And they won a, a huge game, and they were in the locker room, and all the media is in there interviewing them and asking them questions. And after the media left and the, the men began packing up their bags, before they left the locker room, they began sweeping the locker room. They swept up all the tape uh, from their ankles and they swept up all the water bottles and Gatorade bottles and basically they were cleaning up their own mess. And what does that tell us about this team is that they, they live and they lead with a sense of humility and they've got great character because when the crowd is gone, when the crowd stopped cheering, when the media has left, when nobody's watching, what are they doing? They're sweeping floors. And they're this highly successful team. And when we think about those traits, and when we think about the small things, the small moments, the small decisions, every time this team sweeps the floor, they're building a legacy. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about a legacy that lasts. And we've been in a series called Better Together. And in this series, we have realize that we're better together when we engage. We're better together when we serve. We are better together when we gather. And today's topic is we are better together when we leave a legacy of love. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dig into a very popular verse in the book of Matthew. And I'm going to set a little context before we get into the scripture verses and keep going from there. And Jesus is uh, with a group of people, and parts of this group of people are two different religious groups, and we've got the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And so they're asking Jesus a bunch of tough questions, and just a bunch of questions trying to, in some ways, kind of trick him. And uh, we're going to learn about Jesus' response and what to do with it. And so at one point, the Sadducees asked this question about the resurrection, and Jesus corrects their thinking about who God is and the power of the resurrection. And, and then we read in Matthew 22. So if you have your Bibles or if you're at home and you can pull up on your phone the Prairie Heights app, we've got some notes in there under resources. So pull that up and let's read this. Uh, Matthew 22, 34 through 36. So hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, so another religious group, got together. And one of them, an expert in the law... They tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And when they're talking about the law, they're referencing the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses in the Old Testament law. And so Jesus replies to this in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're going to dive into the first part of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The other day I was laying on the couch and I was scrolling through my phone on Facebook and I came across this video. Go ahead and take a look. Jordan strapped on some rollerblades and it didn't take long for him to show us some impressive skills. Afterwards, Jordan was thrilled to meet some of his heroes officers with the Oklahoma City Police Department. What's that? He's always been inspired by police officers. What do you want to be? Please. Why do you want to be a police officer? 
also they protect people. If Jordan looks familiar to you, it's because we featured him and his brother Brazen three years ago at Frontier City. Back then, the siblings lived in separate foster homes. We would like to do anything, like bake and karate. Brazen has since been adopted, and Jordan says he doesn't get to see his little brother that much anymore. Now, this nine-year-old just hopes he'll soon find his own loving family. If you could go anywhere, anywhere in the whole wide world, where would it be? To an adoption party for a home. And if you were granted three wishes? Family, family, those are only wishes I have. It's no secret a family would be a dream come true. Jordan lives at a group home now, but would love a sense of normalcy and the unconditional love of a parent. I call mom and dad, or this mom, or this dad. I don't really care. A family to eat mac and cheese together, ride bikes together, and most of all. Well, the reason why it's important is because um, so I could have um, some, like, some people to talk to anytime I need to. Ever been there on your couch or in the car waiting for someone and you're watching a video and tears are just streaming down your face because it just hits you? Ever since this story broke, over 10,000 applicants have poured in to be Jordan's forever home. Yeah, that's incredible. And I can't wait to hear the continued story of whoever gets the opportunity to show the kind of love that we're going to talk about through this message by being Jordan's forever home. And, you know, Jesus, when he shared, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, he, he could have stopped at love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Because we all understand that, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He could have stopped there, but he didn't. He kept going. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with like everything you have in you, with all your mind. And I wonder why he said that. I think one of the reasons he said that is because love centers us. And when it's that kind of love, when it's the kind of love that when you watch Jordan's story, it just hits you because it centers you. It centers you and I. It, it brings our our heart and our soul and our mind all into one place. And that's the kind of love that, that God is talking about. That's the kind of love that God requires of us and that we can experience. It's a complete kind of love. It's a whole kind of love. It's not a half-baked kind of love. It's a fully-baked kind of love, like a baked potato. Hang on with me. Hang with me. This is going to make sense. Have you had the baked potato? That's just like, it's fully baked and it comes out of the oven and it just folds over and oh, you just, you start putting your fork in there and you can just mash it up and you melt the butter on and it's just perfect. Have you ever had a half-baked potato? You stick your knife in it and it's hard and, the, and it's chunky. Nobody wants a half-baked potato. Nobody does. My husband grew up on a farm, uh, and he's a farmer still, and I bet you he has eaten thousands of pounds of potatoes throughout his entire life. He's a mean potato kind of guy, and then he married me, and I can't cook worth anything. So literally, even today, and it's a running joke, it's a 50-50 shot if he gets a half-baked potato or a fully-baked potato. <laughs> and right, it's not that hard. Just set the, set the temperature. But here's the thing. 
I think if you and I were honest, sometimes that's the way our love looks, is a little bit of half-baked. You know, we start to love, and we, and we give love, and we receive love to the point where it gets, where it's comfortable, and it's kind of safe, and at the point that it gets sacrificial, it's not that we don't even want to do it. It's not that we even think cognitively that we don't want to step into that sacrificial love. It's just we could all agree that there's a big difference between our intentions and our actions, right? We might have really good intentions, but not so great actions. And so sometimes our love, we don't give it the space and the time and the energy because the kind of love that that God is talking about, that Jesus is talking about in this scripture is a complete kind of love that takes time and energy and effort and sacrifice. Most of us could say that we're guilty of like that first love feeling, the, the uh, rose-colored glasses. And it's likely because when we fell into that kind of love, what we loved about it is everything we got out of it, right? Everything we were receiving from that person was so great. It's so great and it feels so good. And what we recognize is the longer we're in love or the longer we're in that love journey, it requires sacrifice. It requires a sacrificial love. And when you and I experience that kind of love with others, isn't it beautiful? When you are loved like that, with a sacrificial whole love, when someone pours their whole heart, their whole soul, their whole mind into loving you, isn't it beautiful? And when you see that in others, isn't it beautiful? And, and to be honest, I think it's a little bit rare. But as I think about even that thought, just because it's rare doesn't mean we aren't going to go after it with everything we have. And we're going to give it our best shot to love people really, really well. Because Jesus continues in verse 39, he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think what Jesus is sharing in this idea is that we've got these two religious groups that are coming after Jesus saying, well, what do you think about this? Or what would you say about this? They're asking him a bunch of questions. And when they say, well, what's the greatest commandment? And they're thinking there's 10 of them. And they're asking him, what's the greatest one? And, and I think what Jesus is saying in his response is he's saying, I'm just going to keep it simple. We're just going to keep it simple. Love God and love people. It's that simple. And Jesus is saying that when we take a minute to think about how simple it can be, we, we actually have a chance to really live in that. And I'm really thankful that Prairie Heights, that's what we've always been about. Since, since the day Prairie Heights began. We've always been about keeping it simple and not overcomplicating things, making it about loving God and loving people. And guess what? It is going to be a gigantic mess because the minute I stepped foot in Prairie Heights, it became a mess. No offense, the second you stepped foot in Prairie Heights, it became a mess because guess what? And we did a series about this in January. We're all a mess. It was called Address the Mess. And we were talking about you and I because we're messy people and together we're a mess. But guess what? Jesus knew that. He knew everything about our mess. He knew my mess. He knew your mess. And he died on a cross anyway. He died on a cross to save you and me from our sins to allow us the opportunity to say yes to him and to live a life for him on this earth 
that our life would have an impact of love when we journey with him and when we allow him to be the leader of our life. And he died on a cross, and when, when we accept that invitation, he also allows us and promise us, promises us an eternity in heaven. And what would it look like if you and I, even today, pick someone that is in our life? And what if we love them just 1%, 1% better, 1% more, 1% more like Jesus would? And we all know this, that keeping it simple is hard enough. <laughs> loving God and loving people, like that's hard enough. And uh, thinking about loving God and loving people with our whole heart and soul and mind and then turning around and doing that to everybody else, that is a fully sacrificial love. That's a whole love that centers us. And I, when I look back at the scripture of Jesus' response and what he chose to respond is the two greatest commandments. And when he says, love God, love people, he's saying, when you get those two things right, all the other ones fall into place. And I think he says these things like that because when we can grasp that kind of love, that kind of love outlives our life. That kind of love that Jesus is talking about, it outlives our life. Prairie Heider and a good friend of mine, his name's Todd Troyer. Uh, sadly, he lost his dad last week. And he shared a little bit about his dad. And so I'm going to share that with you, that after his dad passed away, he shared this. He said it was, uh, Todd said this about his dad. It was such a blessing to have a dad like him. He taught me to love the Lord, to love my family, tithe always, laugh and tease a lot. And oh, how he tried to teach me to be good at sports, to no avail. But, and then he says, it was the best of upbringings to know you are loved immensely. And that your dad is so proud of you because of who you are, not what he wanted you to be. Don't we all want to be loved like that? We all want to be loved like that. Like Todd's dad loved him. And Todd's dad lived an example of that kind of love, an unconditional love that didn't have conditions. And I bet if I was to ask Todd, hey, Todd, did your dad, did he ever get angry or did he ever yell at you? Like, I'd be tempted to say his answer would be yes. Because remember, we're messy. <laughs> and there's a messy part of us. And, and there might have been moments that maybe didn't feel so great. But here's, here's the point. Is that throughout the way his dad loved, the ways that he loved, the intentional ways that he loved, there was a legacy that has already begun to outlive his dad's life. That was unconditional. It was a love that was dependable. It was a love that was sacrificial, that was consistent, that was full, that was a centered love that said, hey, you know what? Even though I love sports and you're not good at sports and you maybe don't even love it as much, it doesn't change my love for you. There's no conditions on my love, and that's such a beautiful thing. And here's what's going to happen is that because Todd received that kind of love, he's going to give that love to his kids, and it's going it's to trickle generation after generation. It's going to continue to leave a legacy. And so like Todd's dad, you and I, we can make a choice today 
We can make a choice today to write our own obituary. And every time, every time I hear about someone passing away or I'm part of a funeral or someone close to me passes away, I always think about this. I always think about the whole idea that you and I have a chance to write our obituary today and the way we do that is we live it. Because when we're no longer here, someone else is going to write the obituary. But we can live that today. And when we live out the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to, it leaves a legacy. It leaves a legacy. Well, what stops us? What stops us from living out this kind of love on a daily basis? And it's the same thing that stops us from having a retirement account or breaking a generational cycle. It's the impulses. It's the feel good in the moment. It's the patterns in our life. It's the uh, moments where we make decisions. It's in those little small moments or in the distractions. And could it be that in this season of, gosh, just strangeness, this last six months is just like we're, gonna, we're all going to throw away 2020 when it's over. And, and, um, but could it be that during this season when distractions have been less and our, and our busyness has kind of slowed down and our life has slowed down when we've been in quarantine, that some things got exposed, either in your life or in your family or in your marriage, and maybe some things that you, that you don't love. And I think there's two different paths we could take from that, that exposure that happens, the stuff that we don't like of like, ooh, one, you could either take care of it in terms of like you could recognize that that's happening, you can address it and you can work through it and you can heal. Or there's another road like we could all just get really angry. And I think, you know, uh, fair to say, and I'm in the boat too, but I think we're all getting real angry. Like we're all just kind of angry about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'll pull up Facebook or I'll watch something on the news and I'll get angry way faster. And for me, when I get angry, I'm not going to shy away from a little debate. And so we're going to have a little fun here, and I'm going to ask some questions that are not fun at all. So <laughs> I'm going to ask some questions. It's okay. We'll dive into it. I want you to process this a little bit. So who or what are you fighting these days? Who or what are you fighting these days? Are you fighting the government? Are you fighting the school system? Are you fighting your family? Are you fighting your church? Are you fighting your spouse? And now before I go too far down this road, I just want to say, fighting's not bad. Fighting is not bad at all. We're all going to disagree. We're all going to disagree on a bunch of stuff. But how we fight is so important. How we fight is so important. And every marriage uh, counseling, and there's a bunch of books written on it about fighting fair. And the whole idea is that you can fight from the same side of the table. Instead of being on opposite sides of the table, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. What would it look like to be on the same side of the table and to fight for unity? And so I came across this on a friend's Facebook page. Her name is Jody. her husband's name is Mike, and I was given their permission um, to share this with all of you. Great example for us. All right, I'm going to read it. It says, and it's from Jody. Not surprising fact, my husband and I have completely opposite political views. Surprising fact, he is the only person I'll ever discuss politics with. Why, you ask? We accept that we both have completely different life experiences, 
that shape our viewpoints. We discuss things fairly with kindness and compassion behind them. We don't throw jabs, insults, and try and push our views on one another. We understand that we will likely never check the same political box, and we're okay with that. We agree that our number one goal is an America that is an amazing and safe place for our little guy, and we'll both work hard to make that happen. And then she says, so as November approaches and your news feeds are filled with debates and hostility on both sides, here's a small reminder that we make the biggest difference when we listen, discuss, and try to understand perspectives. And she closes with, it is, in fact, okay to love someone who doesn't agree with you. It's okay to love someone who doesn't agree with you. We can love unconditionally and sacrificially when we turn from verses to together. Because we're better together. We're better together when we leave a legacy of love. And and that doesn't mean that we don't disagree (laughs) on things, on small things or big things. It's okay. It's okay to disagree. But when we turn from verses each other to together, there can be something powerful. Because love shows up when it's about a commitment. And I'm so thankful. I am so thankful in my own life that my marriage that I've chosen and Kyle's chosen, that that's a, that's a lifelong commitment and it's not a feeling. I'm really thankful that I'm not basing Kyle's love for me on a feeling or how he feels about me that day. Because some days, I'm just saying, like, you might not want to love me on some days. And some days, I don't know, like, that's, it's just hard work. And so we have a saying in our house, and I am not suggesting that you copy this in your own home. We've only been married nine years, so we're, like, still little babies and all that. But we say to each other quite often, like, I'm always going to love you, but I just don't like you right now. Like, that's just really annoying, or that's bugging me. And I truthfully mean this. When I say that, what it does for me when I say it out loud is it says to me, it reminds me, I didn't make a long, a lifelong feeling. I made a lifelong commitment of love. I made a lifelong commitment to love this person. And I could go on and on. I love Kyle more than I'll start crying. So we're not going to talk about it right now. <laughs> So I love him with all the feelings that I have. And I've made a commitment to him. And it's a beautiful love commitment that we get messy and it gets messy all the time. And going back to our verse in Matthew, one of the things that really stood out to me about this verses in together is you've got these two religious groups that are coming in and they're like trying to corner Jesus. And it's just, in some ways, it just, you want to, it, it makes me blow my mind because I'm like, aren't you all trying to talk about God? Like I don't, sometimes I just get like, okay, <laughs> can we all like, can we all get along? But that's like they're trying to fight with Jesus or put him in a corner. And I think Jesus, what was so beautiful about the way he responded and just in just his nature. And I didn't obviously have a chance to be there, but I can just, I can feel his presence as I read through scripture. And I wonder and I imagine what it would be like to be there. And it's like he kind of, he brings like, I don't have to get defensive. 
And he brings this just strong truth and grace to what they're dealing with. And, and I think Jesus just really wanted us to talk about and to fight for loving God with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole soul. And that's what he shares with us. I want to challenge you in Matthew 23. That's a a whole chapter right after the verses that we just read. And Jesus goes on to talk about all the ways that these two religious groups are being hypocrites. And he just tells the truth, but wraps it in some grace every once in a while. And so I want you to go ahead this week and read that. And read Jesus um, exposing some of what was happening that just wasn't okay for people to see. It wasn't okay to have hypocritical behavior to say this is who God is, but then to act this way. And I think the point that Jesus is trying to make in that is it matters. It matters how we love. It matters how we love on the inside, and it matters how we love on the outside, like our actions. And so we can love unconditionally and sacrificially when we are extremely intentional, And when you and I, when we see people, whether we know them or not, from afar or whether we watch another video and see people, when we see intentional love, it just gets us, right? Okay, so watch this example of another intentional act of love. Yeah. You hit something. What is that? Oh, bottle. What? Oh, bottle. Is that a message inside? Let's Home check time. it out. Huh, how did that get there? What is this? Well, do you put in here? No. A note. What does it say? Open it. What? What does it say? It could be a prank. Okay, what does it say? A prank? It says, hey, Joe. You're the, what? You You are a... Already? Already the best bro. And also the best friend. So, so will you please say yes to be my best man? That will. What? You want to be my best man? Okay, if that doesn't get you, you don't have a pulse, right? Because, oh, that intentional love and the fact that his brother, you know, wrote him the note and put it in a bottle and buried it so his other brother, so he could uh, shovel it out. And then the way the brother received the love, When's the last time you went running into someone's arms and wrapped your arms around them and just shared how much, when they love you, how much you receive that love and you love that love? And I wonder if you and I, maybe this next week, we need to do a little more of that with the people who are closest to us, that we would just, we would love like that and we would show people that kind of love because that intentional love it connects with us it connects our heart and our soul the depth of our soul and our mind and 
And when we feel that and when we see that and then when we intentionally act, when we see those intentional acts of love, it does something to us. And then it represents and it moves into this action-oriented, sacrificial love. And you know, Jesus, he lived on this earth and he came to show us love, to teach us love. And so he talked a lot about it and then he showed us a lot about it. And then at the end of his life, he did the most loving thing and he sacrificially gave his life for our life. And when we start to move into that intentional love, it begins to change the people around us and it begins to change communities and it begins to change church families. And here's the thing, like, what do we do with all this? Because again, love can be just this big, big thing. And love and legacy are like these big, big topics. How do you make them? It's like what I talked about at the beginning. It's the small things. It's the small choices. It's the small decisions. And it's the consistency around those things. It's like the rugby team, the All Blacks. It's 1% better. 1% better in our love. Because love is action-oriented. Love is sacrificial. Love does encompass all of us. And it takes a lot of hard work and energy and effort. And it's beautiful when we see it. Right? And it's the kind of sacrificial love that the future parent or parents of Jordan are going to go through. And it's going to be an amazing kind of love. And it's going to leave a legacy that outlives our lives. And so uh, I came up with something pretty cheesy as we wrap up here today. We like to make things simple, as I said, around Prairie Heights, and also sticky. Because coming and being a part of Prairie Heights is not about just coming for an hour. We really, when we come and we gather, we want to dig into who Jesus is and who God is and, and what they can teach us and help us so that it becomes ingrained in who we are that when we leave, it looks different. Our lives look different, that something changes or something happens. And so my hope is that this makes it sticky. It's cheesy, but it's sticky. So here we go. L stands for love centers us. Love centers us. It takes our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole mind. And when we center around that love that God gave us, that our Heavenly Father gave us that kind of love because He loves you unconditionally. I just want to say real quick, like if you didn't grow up in an unconditionally loving home, you have a Heavenly Father who loves you unconditionally. And so you don't need, you don't need to have had that life experience to experience unconditional love because the Heavenly Father loves you that much. That's why He died for you. Oh, outlives our lives. When we experience and when we live out in those small moments this kind of love, we leave a legacy behind. We, live a, we leave a legacy of love that long outlasts our life. V stands for verses two together. So hey, if you're honest, maybe you've been angry about some stuff. Maybe you even posted it on social media. It's okay to take that down. It's okay to say, like, hey, I was a little hot-headed there. I maybe need to step back, and how can I disagree but do it from the same side of the table? 
How can I love through my disagreement? So V versus two together. And then E, extremely intentional. That's what love is. Love is extremely intentional. It's in the small decisions, in the small moments, the 1%, the marginal gains that over time they compound their interest. Just like money makes money, love will compound love. I am telling you, you watch that last video of that brother jumping into his arms. Your day's going to be different today because you saw that video. There's something about that intentionality that has a ripple effect. So let's love uh, one another as we head into this week. And I cannot wait. As a church family, we get to live out this kind of legacy of love next Sunday. Next Sunday, Baptism Sunday, one service at 11 a.m. outside. And here's the deal. There are people who are going to get dunked, going to get baptized, going to go public with their faith. And you're the one who invited them. You're the one who loved them. You're the one who has been journeying through life with them. And together, we get to celebrate what God is doing in their life. And so I'm so proud to be part of a church family that we are planting faith seeds that are going to long outlive and outlast our lives. And so thank you for being here today. Can't wait for next Sunday. Let me say a prayer for us before we head out. God, you are so good. God, you are so faithful. God, your love is so consistent. Your character is um, something that we can look to for just such a great example. So I thank you for that. And then, God, I pray for everyone that's listening right now, that, God, you would just enter into their life in a real way. Meet them exactly where they're at, God. I pray, God, that you, um, you speak louder than any other voice in our life, that, God, uh, through your example, that um, we can messily love each other as we move through this life and this world. And, and God, I just, um, yeah, I pray if there's any hurt today, like if there's someone going through some pain or relational hurt, God, I pray for, um, I pray for restoration and I pray for healing in that. And God, you can do that because that's, that's love. And there is a, a wholeness to the love that you offer us, that you give us, and that you invite us to show others. And so thank you, God, for that. We pray all this in your name. Amen.